Hey listeners, check out the brand new movie, Unseen. Two women form an unlikely connection when Sam, a gas station clerk, receives a misdialed call from Emily, who is running from her murderous ex-boyfriend in the woods. Having lost her glasses in her escape, Emily must rely on Sam's eyes using the video call in order to survive. Unseen is a latest thriller from Blumhouse Productions, available to buy or rent on digital now. This film is not rated. So thank you to Matt360 for this giveaway. And listeners, email the show to figure out how you can win one of these copies. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and we're here to talk about the fourth entry in the John Wick series. That's right. John Wick Chapter 4 has now released in theaters. Uh, This will be full of spoilers, so for any reason, if you have not already gone out, I know it just released and seen John Wick, and you click on this, this might be where you take a break and actually go see this movie. Uh, before we absolutely yes, get go in. See the movie. yes, go see the movie. But, you know, Rob, something that started back in 2014, a movie that I didn't see until probably four or five years later after John Wick first released. Um, it just each entry has done better than the last one, a rarity. Each entry, I think minus a couple of things in three as we reviewed those movies has been better than the last one. And that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, Does John Wick 4 continue to move this franchise forward or does it take a step back? Uh, We went and saw this last night and I I have a lot to say about this. I do too. And I think um, listeners, you know, certainly if this is uh, if you're checking this out to see if John Wick 4 is worth going to see in theaters, I would say definitely go see it in theaters. Um, and if you're trying to remember what happened in the first three editions, uh, go download the previous recaps. Uh, you'll get certainly caught up on everything going on and be perfectly ready to go check out John Wick 4. Um, this movie was really a lot of fun and I'm glad, I'm glad we went early because um, I think the buzz around this is quite big and uh, I'm excited to talk about it, but yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of thoughts on this too. Yeah, definitely. The buzz is, is huge on it. It's gotten some really, really positive reviews and including like a 10 from IGN that I've seen it for Thursday night previews had $8 million, which is uh, the biggest opening for a John wick for, uh, for early previews. John wick three only did five, four it's on pace to make 70 million, which would be another record for this franchise. And I think it's all well-deserved. There's, there's some returning cast members. There's some new cast members who some of which I think are absolutely fantastic. Um, but one thing I, I, I do want to say very, uh, not very quickly, but I do want to say is, you know, I'm sure everybody that made this movie, if you've seen any red carpet um, footage or anything like that, was was heavily affected by the passing of Lance Reddick. Um, very sad to see that. And uh, something that happened in this movie kind of hit very close, um, really early. And I, I just... So... Again, we're going to talk about spoilers. Um, Lance Reddick's character in this movie um, actually dies, um, Sharon, and it happens very early. And that kind of it it took me a second to like get out of the reality of the fact that this man had unfortunately passed away in real life. Um, it, it was kind of weird to see that at first. Yeah, like within the last seven days of when we're recording this. So it was it was very fresh. It was very real. A lot of people online, you know, reacting. Um, he was one of my favorite characters uh, in this franchise. Um, and a large part of it is because of the performance of Lance Reddick. I, I'm a fan of his work overall. I'm a fan of a lot of his voiceover work. I was uh, tremendously impressed with him. And and everything I've seen him do. I, I believe he was involved in destiny, which yep. wasn't a game series that I've checked out. I know you're into that, Matt. And I know a lot of people 
listening to this are probably into that. And I know that community has been doing some really interesting tributes to him. Um, so it was, it was very, it was very weird. I can't remember a time where I've seen a movie watching a character die on screen when the, uh, the actual actor has passed so recently to that, that moment. It was very strange, kind of surreal. Yeah, it, it definitely was. Um, so that, that's just something I wanted to say was, you know, um, I, I certainly, like you said, the destiny community, um, you know, did some tributes to him as, as best they could in game and things like that. He voices commander Zavala. Um, but again, you know, thoughts, prayers out to his family, loved ones, everything like that. Um, you know, I guess there's one thing that you could say is they say that he, he went peacefully of natural causes, um, which I guess if there's any silver lining, there's, there's that, that he went peacefully. Yeah. So, uh, but John Wick four, um, like we said, some, some new characters coming into the fray, you know, this picks up, not exactly, because I think he's had some time to heal, but this does pick up after the events of John Wick 3, where Winston has shot John Wick. He is now with the Bowery King, played by Lawrence Fishburne, you know, getting ready as this movie opens. And immediately off the bat, I thought the third one upped the ante in terms of cinematography. And if there's one thing that this movie does right out of the gate, wow. Um, this movie is shot so well. The locations are unbelievable. And there's a scene that we talked about when we got out of the theater that I am sure we will go over a lot more um, as we do this review. But man, does I don't think I've ever seen an action movie look this good. The cinematography and particularly the lighting in this film are high points of the series. And I would say high points of the genre mm -hmm. and high points in film in general. I'm just not even gonna, I'm not even going to add classifications. A lot of the work done, um, you know, setting up the camera and, and just making the, the presentation of what we get to see and how we get to see it is masterful. I'm a big fan of a lot of what we saw in, in that aspect. Yeah, it's it's something to be said that this movie for all the for all of the action that's in it and and there is a ton the some of the things that I remember most are the locations in this movie and I think what this movie did that I've had time to think about since we watched it is this really does feel regardless of where this series goes Th this felt like a culmination like this gave you, I think everything that came before and added to it in terms of, you know, the way that this society works. I really like the fact that, you know, you see more of the people that respect John wick. Um, and I just, I really like the dynamics that you saw about friendship leaving a life behind. Can you truly be something, you know, um, can you truly be something different or are you just, you know, can you ever change? I, th I thought there were some really deep themes in this movie that I was not expecting that are pulled out by some really incredible performances, um, from some newcomers. And one of them that I really liked, and I like this actor a lot, but man, I thought Bill Skarsgård was fantastic in this role. Um, I just thought he was, he was intimidating, but also you could see the cowardice um, start to come out as things were, you know, looking like they were going to unravel for him. I thought he was a great addition. Yeah. He, he portrays um, the marquee as somebody who is kind of bored that, things that he's demanded haven't happened yet. Mm -hmm. He's, he's accustomed to snapping his fingers and things just working for him. They, they live in this world of just unimaginable wealth and access that when this little thing that he wants to be taken care of, you know, the, he, he talks a lot about not just having to kill John wick, but kill the idea of John wick because 
this is a world through three films. We've got some established rules. There is a system to this world. And that's a large part of the appeal of this series is that world and these rules and these processes. And John had the audacity to think that he could live outside of them and try to form a life of his own and, you know, uh, kind of highlight some of the, the corruption within and try to make a clean break. And this guy needed to make sure that it, that nobody else would ever step up and try to do that. And he, he plays that so well. What I notice about this, I felt like this film is just a lot darker and overall a lot more serious in tone than previous installments for better or for worse, I would say. And I, I would say largely gone is the funny sort of tongue in cheek humor of presenting a world of professional hitmen the way you would a nine to five office worker. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, it lacked a little bit of that. And for me, at least I felt this movie was, was a little lesser than in, in that mm-hmm. aspect compared to previous installments, just because I, I think that some of those bits were some of my favorite pieces of John Wick. You know, when I think about the John Wick series, which by the way, thank you again for forcing me to <laughs> sit down and watch these uh, listeners. If you've, if you're at a point where you know that like you're listening to this and you've not seen the John Wick films, you need better friends. Like you really do. That'll like correct you when you've missed films that you really need to watch. And this was one of them. And, and I'm appreciative to Matt to, you know, give me an excuse to sit down and watch these. But you know, as I think back to what I've loved about this series and, and getting a chance to sit down and binge these, the action, of course, is what stands out from this, but also the uniqueness and the way they present just this this world and the high table and how they rule and what their rules are and how everybody interacts and the casualness and and how much it is just a job to them in some ways. And that was kind of missing from this. There was still some of those elements, but nowhere near what we got. And it didn't build on anything uh, the way that previous installments did. And and I kind of, I kind of missed that about it. So I, I can see where you're coming from, where, where I take this. Um, and I'll just give my, my two cents on that is my interpretation of some of that tongue in cheek going away is how serious this has gotten. I, I I do wish we would have actually seen the high table. All we hear about yeah. is how they have given Bill Skarsgård's character um, the the Marchette. What, what do they actually call him? The Mar Marquis. The Marquis. Um, yeah. They've kind of given him like absolute power, so to speak, to get this done. Um, but I think some of the reason that the tongue in cheek is gone is because this has become just such, you know, they thought in three, well, just in the movie timeline in the events of three, they have to figure, okay, Wick's done. There's no way he can get through what we're going to send at him. And then he does. Um, and I think there's a little bit of there's just start, you know, there's some worry that it's going to unravel. Like he says, you know, it's the idea of John Wick that I don't want anybody else to think that they can do this. And I think maybe that's why this movie had, you know, lost some of that tongue in cheek humor is because of the gravity of the situation. Now, I did think there was, um, you know, some things here that. Again, like I said, I, I wish we would have gotten a little bit more of in terms of, again, I, I would have liked to have actually seen the high table and, and yeah. what that was. And maybe we'll get something, uh, you know, certainly there's a couple of spinoffs. There's the, the ballerina. Um, we're also supposedly getting a continental series. So maybe we will see something from the high table. But I did find that odd that that wasn't something that perhaps that we got in this film, especially considering where this goes. Um, and we'll talk about that more. So as I thought about this film, we come off of John wick three and I think about, okay, four is coming out this, this spring. What is it going to be about? My assumption was that he was never going to be able to rest until he had eliminated the entire high table or eliminated enough of them that the rest you know, in, inducted him into the high table and made him a made man or immune or whatever. And, and his, he can finally stop running. 
that was sort of how I envisioned this movie going when I thought about it was that we would really see them and we don't. And I don't, I'm not saying I think that made the, the movie worse, but I guess I was just kind of surprised. And what's interesting is, you know, we do have some of these other things that are floating out there and they haven't said that this character is done, although it kind of feels like he should be based on the end of this. Um, I, I kind of feel like they're setting up the Mr. Nobody character to possibly have a spinoff. It, it felt like that was a character that they introduced us to, didn't tell us a lot about, but made us interested to know more. So I could see him possibly, uh, uh leading a spinoff. Um, I, I gotta say that you mentioned like how much they throw at this guy after the events of this film, I have to believe that crime rates worldwide just drop significantly. <laughs> they're just, there can't be any henchmen left no. anywhere in the world after this movie's done. I mean, there just, there just can't be, I mean, John has to have eliminated like an entire labor industry. If you, if you exist in this world and you have henching in your LinkedIn skills, your in mail will just be blowing up with recruiters looking to hire you because there can't be anybody left at this point. He's taken them all out. No. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Rob, one thing, I don't know if you actually saw this. Uh, we did miss an end credit scene. We did. Yes. yes I saw that. Too. Um, so we did miss that. But, you know, speaking of taking everybody out, this is, and I want to get your thoughts on this because this is something I said in three. This is the longest movie in the franchise um, for John Wick. However, this movie to me felt shorter than three. There were parts in three that I mentioned in our review that actually kind of dragged to me. At no point did I feel like this movie actually dragged, or I was like, you know, you probably could have cut 15, 20 minutes off of this. Um, and part of the reason why I feel that way is I, I mentioned this to you when we were, you know, walking out of the theater, I felt the way that they framed the action and the way that they, you know, the moves that they did to eliminate people. I thought there was much more variety in this film than there was in the third. Some of the stuff towards the end just kind of got a little bit repetitive to me. Um, and even when he is still just shooting people and gunning them down, the way that he does it, um, I feel like there's there's more variety in this movie. And that helped with the pacing. Certainly, too, when he goes and meets new characters, um, you know, that that are a part of this world. I thought, you know, everybody that was added, I thought was phenomenal in these roles. And we can talk about some of those. But how, how did you feel about the runtime? You know, it, it felt long, but to be honest, like it, it didn't feel bloated. Mm -hmm. I think maybe the reason it just kind of felt long was, you know, our, our uh, theater time was at nine o'clock and I don't know, I'm getting old so by, the, <laughs> by the, by the time we sat down, I'm, uh, you know, I'm already a little tired from the day. Um, so, you know, that's the only thing that I really think kind of made it seem long, but no, it didn't feel there was at no point I was kind of sitting there going, all right, somebody with a red pen should have circled this scene and, and said, chop this down or cut this out or do we even need this character at all. And I think part of that is at this point through four films, these filmmakers and this, this property has earned the right to do whatever they kind of want. And mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm so fascinated by this world and these characters that I want to see more. I want them to introduce additional people. I want to see Wick interact with other people. And I want to see those other people interacting with each other. And I want to see a, more of a window into what, how all of this stuff works. And I, and I love it. So to me, uh, this was exactly as much movie as I wanted. Yeah. And you know, two of those characters that he interacts with uh, one newcomer, Donnie Yen, who plays Kane and then I'll probably butcher his name, but um, he's in a lot. Uh, Hiroko Sanda. Is, I don't know if that's exactly how you say it. I believe it's Hiroyuki. Hiroyuki. Okay. Um, who both have a, a profound history with John Wick. And I mentioned it earlier, but that is one of the things that I really like, especially when he goes um, and, and meets Hiroki's character who runs a, a continental in Japan I love the line that he says, and I'm paraphrasing. So remember, you remember it exactly. Um, you know, if we're if we only have friendship when it's convenient, 
it's not friendship. And I really liked how, even though his daughter, um, and I love that dynamic too, um, between the father daughter, but I really did appreciate the fact that they went deeper with these characters and the respect. And even though that he knew what this meant, it, he didn't want it, their friendship to be convenient. He values John wick. Um, I really like that. And even there's a scene later in a church with uh, Donnie Yen's character, Kane and John wick. That's a couple minutes long, but again, I just, I really like that. Even in this world of killing people, there's that camaraderie, that bond, which probably sounds funny, but when you watch the movie, I think you just, you get like this real deep sense of like brotherhood. And I really liked how they pulled that in here. Yeah. You know, this is not the first time we've seen that in this, in this series. However, it's, it's deeper and it's more effective here. It feels, it feels a lot more realistic. You know, I'm thinking about in the second film, I want to say it's common's character. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's like, John, you working again. And there's kind of like that, that recognition. Um, It felt like there was a relationship there, but it didn't feel like it was as important as what we saw both uh, here with Kane and with uh, Koji. Um, and particularly with Koji, it felt like that meant something to him. And honestly with Kane, it felt like that meant something to him. And I think what this series has done a really effective job is not showing us too much, leaving Mm -hmm. enough to the audience to kind of play with it in your mind, creating a world that makes the viewer curious to sort of develop their own head cannon and not have to tell us everything, even though we kind of want more, we wish that there was more, but at the same time, I think it's really effective that we have the ability to sort of just kind of play within our own minds. Yeah. And you know, I feel like Kane's character who's played by Donnie Yen, which I thought he was incredible. Uh, that scene in the church where, you know, Kane's character is brought back into the life, just kind of like John wick was because his daughter is threatened. Um, and they're going to use him to go after John. But I, I really like that scene in the church where, you know, we're getting towards the ending of the movie and John goes to say hello to his wife, as he describes it. And Kane asks him like, do you think she can hear you? And he says, no. And he's like, then why bother? He said, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And then Kane, I, I feel, love that line. Yeah. I, I love that whole scene. That was so good. And in Kane's response, of it's just nice to sit here with a friend again. Like uh, my mind was racing of, okay, well, what does that mean? Like it it was such a well-acted scene, but also too, like, again, like you just said, the mystery and like me just being able to come up with my own scenarios of, okay, what does that mean though? It's nice to just sit here with a friend. Like what kind of friend? Because you don't imagine these guys like, in the backyard playing horseshoes or something like that. Like, so, you know, wh- is there a high table summer barbecue? Right. Like, do they do a company retreat at the local amusement park? Like does six flags host the high table? Right. And it's, you know, I just sit there and go, what is, okay. What does that friendship look like? Or, you know, what does that friendship mean for, for two people that are in that business and have done the things that they've done it's just a super interesting concept to me of again, the, the admiration that he has and you can tell that he, you know, Kane, Donnie Yen's character does not want to do this. Um, and that's one of those themes of, can you, you know, be something other than what you were basically groomed to be in this world? I just, I love that scene. And even, you know, to, um, when they raid the the Japanese continental um, and Akira's father is killed, you know, Kane's character does not want to do that. And I just, I, I, I don't know. There's just so much about that, that I love that relationship between all three of them. I, I thought was really profound. It's complex. It's nuanced. It's not simple. It's believable that each of those characters motivations are, to do what they do fall in line with why they have to do what they do. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I do have to say though, like 
okay, so it's Donnie Yen playing another blind martial artist. Right. Like, I, I kept waiting for him to say, to tell John that he is one with the force and the force is with him. I was kind of waiting for that. I mean, even though that is a little bit like, okay, I've kind of seen this. <clears throat> I have to say, and I agree with you 100%, he's fantastic in this role. And, and, I, and Donnie Yen's kind of always been one of my favorite, um, you know, Hong Kong martial arts action stars for a while. When you look at how he's used and his unique skill set and what he brings to the table, you think about what you and I have praised this series for. The action is is based in reality. There's, with the exception of a terrible motorcycle scene in the third film, mm-hmm. there's not an over reliance on green screen or things that just couldn't actually happen. You know, everything feels like it could. It, it's improbable, but it's at least possible right. of everything we've seen. And they, the choreography they use for Donnie Yen is very unique without betraying the type of grounded and realistic brutality and grittiness the series is known for just for a cheap Hong Kong wire foo scene that they didn't do. And I appreciate the hell out of them not doing it. Yeah, his his stuff was very grounded. Um, that scene, though, when he's just sitting in the corner eating the noodles like. Oh my oh, so good. God, that was freaking hysterical. And then I like too how, you know, and I guess the, the further he went in, he didn't need these things, but I loved how he used the environment to set up his fights. He was putting those devices when they were in the kitchen. Um, yeah. Like the, um, the doorbell, yeah. kind of the motion track. Yeah. Those were cool. That was, that was a cool bit. That was really cool to, you know, so he could be indicated when somebody was walking by him. Um, I just really liked that. And man, that I, boy, I tell you that first fight that happens. And then when eventually, because, you know, you get the entire Japanese continental fighting the high tables guys, because they're protecting John. So you get those fight scenes there, which are amazing. Um, you get the daughter. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce her name because I know I'm going to butcher that one. Um, her, her character's name's Akira. We yeah. Go with that. Yeah. Akira that, Oh my God, her fighting style. I thought she was great, especially when she's riding that guy's back and just stabbing him repeatedly. Oh, brutal. Like, yeah. And we get John wick using nunchucks, that, like nunchucks and a pistol at the same time. Like that was so, I, so well done. That's what I was going to bring up is the fact when John really gets into the fight and then it's just that scene of him going one-on-one that scene where he grabs the nunchucks and then, what 10 12 minutes of him going through oh my god the one when he has the guy laying on the display and just like repeatedly just like whirl twirls him six times with the numb oh my god like and what was really interesting to me was the way that scene was done I, as a viewer, was not convinced that John actually had ever trained with that weapon system before but it felt to me like he's just that deadly and has trained with so many different forms of combat and so many different weapons and is deadly with so many different weapons that he can just sort of pick up anything and figure out how to make it work for him because it, it didn't feel like watching like Michelangelo and the Ninja Turtle movies. Like it didn't feel like he was like an expert with mm-hmm. it, but he was brutal with it and I loved it. Yeah, it was, you know, right from there that, you know, the action takes off and it, it very rarely slows down once it really starts. Um, but again, I just, I have to praise the way that they film the action, because I think this is the best one that they have done in terms of filming it in terms of variety. And, you know, we can start getting into it now. There is, a scene that you said it, and I totally agree with you, I think is literally probably the best tracking shot I have ever seen in an action movie. Um, it is the high point of the series. It is. It is breathtaking. It is certainly the high point of the series. I honestly think of the genre. It, it has to be considered it for these types of American movies this has to be considered one of the high points, I think, because it is an overhead tracking shot, almost like a, like a roguelike game for video game players. 
um, like a, a Diablo type over the head shot. And it is, or if you're really old, like me gauntlet gauntlet it. Oh my God. If, if that is one of those things where I could probably, I, I call that a YouTube moment where I could yep. go onto YouTube. And if they upload that scene, I could watch that repeatedly at different times of like, of a month, like of the month, just like once a month, pull that scene back up. It is unbelievable. I feel bad for a lot of working stunt coordinators and camera people and cinematographers out there because that specialize in action movies, because like it's it, that scene exists and I don't know how anybody ever tops it. Like you're those guys are going to work for the rest of their careers and never be able to top what that was. And it's, and it's the combination of everything that's worked about this series so far. It's, it's yeah. a great angle and it's, I'm fairly certain it's a continuous shot. I mean, there's, there's some ways you can cheat in there and, and break things up if you needed to, but let's assume that it is a continuous shot. Cause it looks like it is. I was convinced at the time that it was, you have just that, that continuous ballet of violence. And this is the part of the film where you get, uh, you know, just all of the henches are coming out. And uh, there's a couple guys you see loading some dragon's breath into their shotguns, which is kind of it's it's like an incendiary round for a shotgun. It oh. kind of turns your shotgun into a, a short range flamethrower is kind of what it does. And by the way, th that's real stuff like that's not like made up for the movie. Like that's real. Um, and so John gets a hold of one of those and the way that he uses it and the fire burns, which I'm pretty sure most of that was done digitally. But um so much of that was just breathtaking and you're watching it the whole time and it works and it's not like a cheap gimmick. There's, there's sometimes that like somebody will come up with a cool shot or a cool idea for a movie and, and it's just a gimmick and you're reminded that you're watching a movie because somebody was cute and came up with a gimmick and they're sitting there practically next to you in the theater, elbowing you in the side and like winking and say, look what I came up with. Isn't that cool? Don't you appreciate that? And, and this wasn't that mm -mm. this was just, it was still telling the story in a way that only a John wick movie can tell. Yeah, no, this it, that's, that's one other thing that I'd love to just at least say is this didn't feel like a movie when things were happening. It just felt like a world. There was never a time when I really stopped and went, well, like that scene's just made specifically for a movie, the action, like it just feels there's maybe one. Which one? Maybe one. Go, which one are you talking? All right. So shortly before the the real great action that we were talking about, there's uh, John has to go to this club and take out this big fat dude that uh, killed his adopted sister's um, uh, dad. And there's this <laughs> there's this waterfall rave scene that makes me ask some questions. Right. <laughs> okay. So let's say you're at you're out at the club. You're dancing. You're partying. You're having a good time. How many dudes do you need to see take a hatchet in the skull before you stop dancing and run the hell out of there? I mean, what's what's your number? Because my number's one. Like when I see one dude take a hatchet to the skull, I'm out. Like that's it, it doesn't matter. I, I'm I'm gone. Like I'm I'm getting out of there. And and all of this is happening. There's these big giant choreographed fights, and there's hatchets in everybody's faces, laying everywhere on the ground, bleeding out. And most of the club goers are just kind of there's I don't know if they're on a lot of Molly or what they're doing, but they're still having a good time. They're barely even making space for the fight to happen the whole time. And I just, you know, I would just have to say, I think most of them have a higher threshold of hatchet in the head to rave music ratio than me. See, there's, there were a couple of times and there are scenes where you can see them stopping and they're watching what's going on. And I almost wonder, is this and then it's right back to mm, 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 right mm, mm. you can't see it because you know this is audio but i'm like doing that fake thing <laughs> with my arms in the air it almost makes me wonder though and because we've seen it in two and we've seen it in three it does make me wonder is this secret society like not so secret is is this just the right. world that people <laughs> know that they live in and if you go to these types of places you know that this might happen. Um, 
but kind of hey, maybe we'll get lucky when we go to the club tonight. Some dude will end up with a tomahawk in the face, right? But like you're like you're safe, so to speak, because you're not. You know what I mean? Like you're not involved in this type of world. But it almost makes me wonder if this is just the inhabited world that exists. So I'd kind of considered your point as well, because there's another moment when they're driving around. Is it the Triumph de Resistance or whatever that arch? I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. good with, with French landmarks. That's not like my area of expertise. You know, they're, they're driving around that famous arch in France and uh, there's gunfire going off. There's accidents all over the place and traffic just keeps going like nothing's happening. Like if you saw a major accident like that and could clearly tell there was gunfire going on, I, I would go a different route. Like I would choose somewhere else to go. They're like, and, I got to get to my dinner reservation. I, <laughs> yeah, like, nope, sorry. I'm going to be late for work. I just got to get there, man. I, I will say I, I did love that traffic scene just because the way that the cars are involved bumping into cars, the there's a couple times when people are hit by cars and John shoots them as they're flying in the air. Um, I, I really oh, yeah. did like that scene There's a lot. There's definite like audible reaction moments in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a couple, and it happened in the theater where there were a couple of kills where the audience did react. Um, and I almost wonder, had we not gone at like 9 o'clock at night, because the theater actually did fill in a lot more, um, you know, right before. I'll, I'll still... Being the way that I am, I will never understand somebody who gets there right as the movie starts. Um, it just causes me anxiety. It's so weird. Um, but the theater did fill up. But like, I almost wonder if we went to you know like a, a four o'clock showing on Friday or Saturday, um, if there would have been some more audible reactions. But uh, yeah, there, there's some things in this well, in this movie. At the beginning of this, because there could be something that happens right at the start. Yeah, exactly. There, there are some things that, you know, happen in this movie that definitely, um, out of like respect for the fellow moviegoers, I kind of just like bottled it in, but there were some inner moments where I was like, oh crap, like, because it was so good. Yeah. This is not a movie you want to show up late for and miss something because, you know, it's, it's kind of the first thing that happens in these John Wick movies that sets the course for the rest of everything else that's going to happen. So yeah, don't show up late to this. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Make sure you're there on time. Uh, and if for anything, be there for the previews too. Cause I thought we actually got some pretty good previews before this movie, um, actually started. I, there was a bunch of stuff that I wanted to see. Yeah. There's some really wacky stuff that was, uh, I, I'd not heard of yet. And, um, I, I can remember multiple previews. I said to you, yeah, I'm in, I'm going to see that. Like we're, we're doing that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the one uh, Sisu, the tagline is the most fun you can have watching Nazis killed or whatever the tagline yeah. was like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that lo- that looked pretty good. And then we got a new trailer for Renfield, which I had seen the original trailer for Renfield with Nicolas Cage as Dracula. And that second trailer was just, yeah, no, like you said, sign me up. I definitely am in for this. Just goofy enough that uh, it can't miss. Right, exactly. But yeah, back to back to John Wick. Um, I I want to get your thoughts too on Winston and his relationship with John. Certainly, we can elaborate on the ending. But I, st- I again, I still like that dynamic where even though he shot him like he shoots John at the end of the third movie. I like how it was just over and done with. Like there's the understanding that he knew he had to do it. Like, I don't know. I just, I like the fact that there's, there wasn't this need to go over it or be like, how could you shoot me or something like that? Like, I just like the fact that there's whatever that relationship is. Now, certainly the ending I don't think we're meant to take what he says literally, um, but I really enjoyed their relationship again in this movie. It's another strong point um, throughout this series because the, the nature of the relationship is never clearly defined. It's, it's a, it's a lot of things. It feels like a little bit father, son at times. It feels a little bit like, 
close coworker, mentor, like, you know, it feels like a lot of things. And again, like we had mentioned before, because this film doesn't blatantly explain everything, it leaves a little bit of mystery for you to kind of wonder what it took for the, these two characters to feel this way about each other. Right, exactly. And, you know, what, what happens here is John, as he's going to challenge to single combat to hopefully earn his freedom. Um, Winston is his, is his second who gets to name the terms. His terms are, I want my continental back because his, his hotel is blown up in the beginning of the movie. Um, and he wants everything reinstated. Um, and, and you know, that's the end here. And he has a very, you know, vested interest in John actually defeating, um, Kane because that's who he's going to go up against. Um, cause that's where you start to see some of the cowardice come out where, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Bill Skarsgård's character is going to, he's not going to fight John himself, but, I, you know, that was another thing that I like, but it leads to what I want to talk about with the ending, but I won't get into that yet. I'll just, I'll let you go into the fact of, I think that ending scene was really well done. That last fight where him and Kane team up because not only does Kane, like Kane comes up to him and says, I need you to get to the top of those stairs, John. And it's, I think at that moment, um, you can kind of see the situation where both of them, either way, because this is mentioned to John, though, but win or lose for either man, it's a way out for both of them. Yeah, it, it seems like the stakes are very high because it's just, you know, wave after wave of, of Foot Clan are coming down on him. And I love the part that they kind of make a point about how many stairs it is to get to the top mm-hmm. because he does eventually get to the top and it's like 200 stairs and then the fall down the stairs. Now that is an incredibly dangerous stunt, a fall of that length because it's one shot. Yeah, it's it is when he goes down and it's, that is an incredibly dangerous stunt that's one of those ones that you you double and triple and quadruple check that everything's set up because you only want to try to shoot that one time. The the probability of that to go wrong is very, very high, um, particularly the way that the stunt performer goes down the stairs, which is which is very much like instead of it just being a clean roll, it's a very haphazard roll that, that he goes down in. And that is unbelievably dangerous. Um, so I just, I just, I saw that and immediately recognized like, wow, that was something special that I don't think a lot of people will will truly appreciate. Um, absolutely gonzo crazy dangerous. And I was totally blown away by it, but just his path up there is, is so fun. And it sounds crazy. Like you talk about this when you do a lot of your uh, horror movie reviews, like, Oh yeah, the kills were great. I, I liked that kill. And you feel weird saying like, Oh right. wow, that kill was really cool. the way that that person was separated from life and the way the head came off and the entrails it was so cool. You guys like, you know, you, you kind of talk about it. It's weird to say that, but okay. In the context of this movie, um, you know, the way that they get up there, it doesn't feel derivative. It doesn't feel like we've seen it before a hundred million times the way that they partner so well at different points um, they've worked together before and Mm -hmm. and you can see that. I like that. He called out the time. Yeah. Again, that was, that was a great, you know, do you want the 12 or the nine? Um, That, that was really, it's a very short amount of words to communicate an awful lot, particularly with the stakes being that high. So it really just adds that extra, that that tiny little line just adds an extra layer to that relationship. Uh, And what that means that the two of them are at odds with one another through no fault of either party, really, that when they eventually get to the top and set up kind of this double cross, it doesn't seem like they've had time to discuss it. So the fact that that was all communicated without actually saying it or speaking it, it, and it was just assumed, was really pretty cool. You know, I, and again, I'm, I'm gonna, maybe I'm reaching here. I don't think they set it up 
either. I think you're absolutely right on that. I, I don't think either one of them completely intended um, that the ending that we you like, they didn't determine how this was going to go down. But I think they both realized, and the more I thought about it, I feel like they both realized after the first shot that the other one wasn't going to essentially kill the other guy. Yeah. I kind of feel that way too. I think, I think neither, neither character could bring himself to be the final, like the, the, like this is actually happening. Like I'm choosing to kill, shoot and kill my friend, my compatriot, my colleague, my brother, and just couldn't bring themselves to do it. And I think they maybe both came to the same realization. Oh, it's on like, it's on now. Like, okay. Yeah. We're here. Um, and you know, fix is in right. Right. Exactly. Um, so what we're talking about is, you know, they are going to do a duel 30 paces. They each get a pistol old fashioned standoff. They're going to shoot. If both men survive, then they walk 10 paces, shoot again until they get down to 10 paces. Um, and they get down to 10 paces and the ending comes when Kane, he shoots John wick, he goes down. And then what's going to happen is Mr. Big bad Bill Skarsgård is going to finally take the shot on John wick. Um, and I really, I, I didn't, I realized it, but I wasn't thinking exactly what happened. Like I knew in that last shot, John did not shoot, but I was also thinking, okay, maybe he didn't shoot for the simple fact that he was going to let Kane, like he was going to let Kane live, um, so that him and his daughter were out of this life and he could give somebody what he couldn't have. Cause even if he was out of this life, his wife is still dead. You know, what does he really have? And I thought maybe that was why he didn't shoot. Uh, we then later find out that it's so he can just boom, um, you know, end up being free. Uh, did you like recognize that he didn't shoot? Did you have a thought on why? Like, what was your thought when he didn't shoot? I reckon I did catch that he didn't shoot because I kept looking for the, because both guys are very intentionally wearing white shirts mm-hmm. and I didn't see the additional blood stain on Kane. And I kept looking for it because I was like, I didn't hear a shot and it, it, the gun didn't appear to go off. So I thought that was strange. I, I didn't necessarily put two and two together until the moment the marquee was like, okay, like I'm going to, finish this off and i went oh no it's that that was dumb Uh, you're dead um that's when i i definitely okay yeah he's he's got the round in the chamber still uh i think it was it was an interesting way to do it because it was so different from all of the other kind of boss fights that we've seen so far Mm -hmm. throughout this and i think the ending in general is going to divide some fans i we, we have not talked about this yet, so uh, we're, we're figuring this all out together on air. Right. I still don't know how I feel about the ending to this. I'm conflicted. And and here's here's kind of my thoughts. So, you know, John's kind of bleeding out. Um, he says, Winston, take me home, something along those lines. And you kind of assume that he's going to get patched up like he always does, and he's going to make it. And the next thing we know is that the Bowery King and Winston are at the grave site and you can see the tombstone that says loving husband. And it says John Wick on it next to his wife. And I didn't, I didn't really know how I felt about the fact that they chose to kill the character off. Initially I was like, okay, he's actually alive and they're just using this so that the high table really does think he actually is dead. Even if he was clean, he was still going to be faking his death, but those guys believed he was dead. We, we have every reason to think that he's dead. And I sort of like the point of him surviving this long was to honor his dead wife by living. 
he's been broken and attacked and he survived horrific violence all the while racking up a body count that would unlock literally every kill streak bonus known to man <laughs> just trying to survive. Like he's already, he's launched the nuke like 75 times at this point, his kill streak is just out of control. Like it's, it's just like, it, like the odometer just keeps chugging. Like it, it's mm-hmm. just spinning. Like, like somebody has got a drill on it, like his kill count tracker. It's, it's out of control. And, and he does all this just to survive and then still dies in the end. I mean, this guy stacked enough bodies across four movies to exceed the height of the Burj Khalifa only for none of it to ultimately have mattered <laughs> by the end. And I, I don't know, like I just, I, I kind of, and maybe it's a little bit of selfishness because if he is actually dead, it's hard to do a sequel, like a true sequel, you can still do another story if you want, but now you're going backwards in time and, and you got to, it gets a little weird sometimes. Yeah. But I kind of saw it coming this way when he was said to Winston that he wants, you know, the whole loving husband inscription on his tombstone. And we'll now we'll never really get to see the high table get taken down unless it happens in a spinoff, which is sort of what I thought. Like I said, I thought that was going to happen with this movie. So I don't know. It, it left me going, huh? I, I feel like the ending almost kind of, I don't want to say the ending betrayed the point of him doing everything because that's, that's too strong of, of a feeling, but it just, I didn't feel like it was in line with, with the whole point of him going on this rampage. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly, you know, first and foremost, selfishly, if he's really dead, then we don't get another movie unless it's a prequel of sorts. And, Maybe the next John Wick movie that they make is the actual mission that he was sent on to earn his freedom. I also am still curious about that. I thought we'd see that, too. I thought we'd see like that finally defined, and I thought we'd see him take out the high table. Those were really the two things I expected, and we didn't get either of them. Yeah, so, you know, certainly I think you could go with that story of him killing all of those people to actually earn his way out if you wanted to do another John Wick movie. Uh, certainly there is the idea that maybe even though they say he has his freedom, John thinks it's best if everybody thinks he's dead, just so there's no need to come after him. Or maybe even if the high table doesn't, somebody else, you know, wants to make their bones, so to speak, or comes after John because of all the people that he killed. Um, so he thinks it's better off that people think he's dead. Um, but. I did think that, you know, when he says he he gets out of the boat and they were talking about, you know, Winston said, I didn't know what to put on his tombstone, Um, you know, a couple of words to sum up somebody's entire life. And he said, friend, you know, above all else, um, Sharon was a friend. And then, you know, like you said, Wick says, loving husband. I also did get. A sort of, and again, this is just me seeing it the way I want to, a facial recognition from Winston, realistically, when he says, Winston, will you take me home? I actually, to me, I thought Winston noticeably choked up um, and looked sad almost recognizing that John wasn't at like John wasn't saying like, take me home as in like, let's go back to New York. I think it was a recognition of like, my home is my wife. And what I told you earlier, I need to happen. Um, That's kind of how I like anticipate or interpreted the ending, so to speak. Yeah. I, I like a lot of what you just said. Um, how do you feel about the ending though? Like, does it, does it other than just the selfishness of this is maybe the end of the story. Did it feel, did it feel the right way to end this? Like if this is the end of these four films, was this the way to do it with him not living his life? It, it felt abrupt. I will say now, um, I certainly will be able to, maybe formulate a little bit more of an opinion um because i'm i'm gonna go see this again on sunday a a separate group of friends was like hey what are you doing on sunday after work do you want to go and i was like yeah sure like just another reason to to hang out and i'll go see it again so maybe um 
But in the context of the movie, I, I'm not exactly sure how I feel. You know, does this give like, okay, he's he's at peace. But then again, there's also that little subtlety where, you know, the Bowery King asks, like, where do you think he is? Is he in heaven or in hell? And Winston, like, he gives an answer that, like, again, you could just interpret it any way you wanted to, but it's also not far-fetched to think that answer is, well, he's still alive. But then at the same time, Winston touches the gravestone and says, you know, what? Uh, he, what's his actual line that he says? I, I'm not recalling it right off the top. I think of he head. says, I was still trying to process like, wait, is this how we're ending this? I, I think he says farewell, my son. Um, and that's where I was talking earlier, where I don't think it's meant to be translated literally like John, like we find out John was actually his son. I just think it's that relationship, you know, you can have that father son dynamic and you're not actually blood. Um, uh, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, but I definitely yeah. didn't think they were actually blood. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's an interesting choice. Um, and I think one that, again, I, I think you might have to have multiple viewings of this movie to maybe really see where you stand on if this is a satisfying ending or when this movie comes out, you know, maybe watching these in order and going through all of them. Maybe you pick up on something that you didn't see in the first, second or third or like a deeper meaning or, Oh yeah. You know what? Looking back and watching all of these again. Yeah. Like this seems like a logical conclusion. Um, I, I don't think I can fully formulate my thoughts on the ending. Now I will say, I don't think it'll ever get to the point where I don't like it. Um, I think it leaves a lot to be interpreted, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I There are some times when movies leave it open-ended, and it's like, no, that's just stupid. I don't think this movie has you know dove into that category, but I can't form I can't fully formulate whether or not I think it's a really great way to end the series or if the series is just over again, outside of the selfish nature of well, we don't get a sequel. Maybe we get a prequel and that could be fine. Um, yeah, but taking it, you know, taking out the purely selfish aspect of it, I haven't fully formulated my thought on that yet. So I think sometimes with an ending or just a film in general, if it's, if it's something where you don't have an opinion, positive or negative, sometimes if you're just kind of like, I don't know how I feel about it. Sometimes I almost think that's worse, but in, in the case here, um, and let's go ahead and just get into popcorn time. Then I think I'd almost rather have a feeling on an ending than not have a feeling on an ending. I was a huge fan of the previous three films. There's so much about this movie that I enjoy. I can't say it's my favorite of the series though. And there's, there's some things about this that the, the previous films have set just such a high bar that I didn't get all of what I wanted. I think I got a lot out of this. We got a lot out of this and this is a great film. I recommend it. Everybody go see it. Definitely go see it. So to rank this, I'm giving this uh, four and a half buckets out of five. It's not the high point as a film of the series, although the, there is the high point of the series is contained in this movie. And, and I would definitely watch this again in a heartbeat. I definitely feel like it concludes the series, maybe not in the way that I wanted, but four and a half for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm there at four and a half. Um, this is, and it loses the half bucket for me because of the fact of, I can't completely formulate the opinion on the ending, which again is a weird thing to say in something that's supposed to be, looked at as the final chapter based on the ending. So it's four and a half. But for me, this has everything else that are the high points in the series, the cinematography, the performances, the character development, the action scenes. To me, this does everything 
that was building up in the previous John Wick movies and absolutely knocks everything that it did before out of the park. A hundred percent. Even though this might not have gotten the highest score out of the John Wick series, this is my favorite John Wick movie Um, based on everything else that it has to offer. I absolutely love this movie. I cannot wait to go see it again. Maybe it will help me formulate my opinion on this ending. So that's going to do it for our review of John Wick 4. Listeners, we want to thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't seen this movie and you listen to this review, uh, I hope it is absolutely um, you know, something that you enjoy. Let us know what your thoughts are on the movie, the ending, everything in between. Email us uh, at mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. Join us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all of those social media sites, and we will see you very soon at Mac